0: This week on Kettle of Fish, actor Eddie Deason stops by to talk about Beatles, baseball, and badass trivia.
1: Welcome to our after show. We call Kettle of Fish the no-politics laughter show. It's time for Kettle of Fish. No debates, hate, or arguments allowed on Kettle of Fish. It's like a Willy Wonka psychedelic like acid trip, so hooray for Kettle of Fish. Hey guys, welcome to Kettle of Fish, the show where we chat with actors, comedians, artists, scientists, musicians, magicians, models, and even astronauts about life, love, and the creative process. I am your seafaring podcast and captain of the internet airwaves, Nick the Saucy One Cat Soros, broadcasting to you as always from Meth Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my scavenger-hunting, summer-loving, Dexter-punishing <laughs> producer, the data encryption algorithm to my broken <laughs> speaking spell, D-Prizer, or I as we love know you it. this week, A-G-T-D. Yes,
0: A-G-T-D. <laughs> it's all in the producer's hands. Hint, hint, guys.
1: Uh, yeah,
0: you know, it, it was kind of crazy. I, so I did A-G-T last year. I, I auditioned. Um, with some very good sage words from our friends uh, Matt aka Guy, and RL Bell who have both been on the show and both been on both shows Um, and so I went last year and it was this huge thing and it took all day and it was
1: crazy. Can we reveal you didn't make it now because we said you would never be able to reveal sorry
0: guys Um, but they did give me some really good advice and last year like literally we were there all day long for the audition in savannah and that was fun and it was cool and there was thousands of people there well this year was a little different and a lot easier so the morning before auditions um i found out one of the local radio and tv stations were going in together and giving away front of the line passes and all the girls were like hey you've got to post a video of you singing and maybe they'll pick you for a front of the line pass so i did and they picked me um which was super exciting because that means that people who know me can actually hear me sing and that's not normal for me um and so i went and instead of spending like 12 or 14 hours there it was here in knoxville and it took maybe three hours tops like I and I in... didn't have to
1: end up in a gravel pit no. trying to get Burger King this year.
0: And when I was done, I was able to go and, you know, get my own lunch. And I don't even remember what I got. I think I just got McDonald's because I was starving.
1: Ooh. <laughs> 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 I know.
0: I have a thing for their chicken nuggets, man. I've eaten yeah. them the same way since I was a kid. It's so sad. Um, oh, no, no, no. no I went you must have
1: this from me because huh? you didn't tell me you had mcdonald's so you must have been embarrassed
0: no actually i i forgot i did zaxby's instead um okay, that's... i was gonna do mcdonald's because like you know knoxville is a college town um and actually i really wanted panda but like the way it's set up downtown on the campus there's a lot of places you can go but not a lot of places you can park so i was stuck to anything that was drive through um But I actually, I was able to do that and then actually go to work for a couple of hours because my office is down the road. Um, And so maybe they'll pick me this year. And if they do, I've already told everybody at work. Now, you know, I'm going to mention that I work for Healthy Families because I'm super proud of my job. And I love the Healthy Families America program. Um, They help parents and kids. And it's definitely a good preventative program. We found that it does help um, those with risk factors for, and just sort of
1: from lives. a self-serving marketing standpoint, mm-hmm. it's a hell of a backstory.
0: It, it, it's, and it's fun and I love my job and I get to go and hang out with families ever, almost every day and know that I'm doing something to help their lives. So it's, it's definitely a feel good, like positive. So maybe, hopefully, cross my fingers. Um, and I made a couple new friends and so, hi new friend um friends who are listening today uh as i'm sure they will and yeah it was a good time it was definitely a good time so if i don't make it this well, year I'm we're all
1: rooting for you so
0: yeah and i'm, I'm sure
1: uh, today's guests will send you some good um good th- what is it Zuzu, juju, juju juju, juju. yes lots Did of that i juju. Have said <laughs> All right. Well, tell everybody where they can find us on the inner webs and who we have coming up in the next few weeks.
0: Yes. So if somehow you have lived under a rock and don't know yet, you can go to www.tincan.media and push enter and poof you there. Uh, you can also check us out on castbox.fm. Uh, you can find Kettle of Fish and Musical Osmosis there, as well as on iTunes and. Uh, goal for the next year is that you'll be able to find everything we do on iTunes because we are gonna be switching over, most likely, to a new platform um, that will allow us to have everything, all the shows, all the things, all on iTunes, super fast, super easy.
1: Trust so, me, nobody needs that much Nick in their life. Sure
0: they do. Sure they do. I think
1: the little trickle Everybody of is. Nick is enough.
0: <laughs> well, we trickle of to Nick is always enough. You're you oh, it's God. gonna be a flood. A flood I'm turning of my in.
1: inbox off.
0: <laughs> uh, next month on musical osmosis, we do have the Joey's coming up. That's going to be super cool. Um, and if you didn't check out last week's episode, then you missed out on Haley from Haley and the crushers and she's super cool. So definitely go back and check that out. Uh, and then next month for our 98th kettle of fish episode, we're going to have Natasha Ferrier, who is a comedian uh, from our very, home at the moment state of Tennessee. She's a Nashville comedian. That's going to be super fun. And we're hoping, hoping to get a super interesting 99th episode going on next month. And I I won't, I won't give it away.
1: Yeah. And I've been um, scouring. I actually started an IMDb page, even though I only have a couple little credits. I started one just specifically to get access to try to find somebody huge for the 100th episode so we'll see if that where i'm talking like jim carrey like up in the stratosphere i figure if i wait a thousand people i can get somebody on that i have no business talking to all right let's get today's guest in here you would think you good all right Today's guest has an iconic voice ac- that's known across the animated universe, from Dexter's Laboratory to Kim Possible to Polar Express. He was Hollywood's first beloved nerd, and he's lived an insanely interesting life. From such known from such classic films as Grease, nineteen forty one, and War Games, Eddie Dizen. Hey, Eddie, what's up? Hello, Nick. How's it going? Hello, D. Hi.
2: Okay, this is, is the first thing. I'm gonna take up the whole hour here. Just okay. respond. you sitting. I realize how hard you're sitting here in the green room listening. You guys said so many things I wanted to respond to, and you're sitting here. And first of all, I realize what it must be like to be dead. When you're dead, okay, you go around floating around like a ghost, okay, and hear these people saying these things. Like they'll go, like Star Wars, the great film, and you're thinking, no, Star Wars sucks, you know. But nobody can hear you. I heard you and like D goes, I got this gig, and I want to go. Oh, congratulations, D. I'm glad you got that gig, but I couldn't say anything. It's like you're dead. I'm like you're. Dead. <laughs> Dead listening to your whole conversation here. <laughs> That's how you were talking about. Just, let me get one point, one point that I just had. Uh-huh. We went out to lunch. My sister and I just went out to lunch at McDonald's. You guys were talking about McDonald's. <laughs> okay. The one thing McDonald's has nobody ever talks about, they have great Cokes. They always, everybody talks about yeah. McDonald's burgers, or they like their fries. McDonald's has the best Coke in the world. Coke is this great drink, and it, sometimes it's great, and sometimes it's terrible. You know, It depends mm-hmm. on how you mix it. But McDonald's Cokes are always good. Nobody ever talks about that. So I had a McDonald's Coke for lunch, but yep. I couldn't say that. I was listening to you guys talk about McDonald's.
0: Well, and you know Geez, why they have, have such great Cokes? Here. Hang on. You, the, here's here's the reason why, and I actually looked this up. They actually yeah. spent thousands upon thousands of dollars and hours researching the exact right diameter for the straw you ever oh, know, really? you're you, kidding no and you never noticed, but the mcdonald's straws are a little bit bigger than most yes other they places. are that is yes. expressly so that you get the right amount of syrup and carbonation in every single sip and i'm like holy
1: crap that is interesting so i never smart. knew that and kind of okay. diabolical when you think about it, it from is. a
2: capitalism. Yes, you're right. You're <laughs> right. It is. It it's is. It's kind of scary. Trapping us in a, a innocent bourgeoisie. they trapping us <laughs> into it. Yes. Yes, Dee, by the way, congratulations there. on getting your gig, D. am glad you got that gig.
0: Uh, yeah, well, I got the audition, and hopefully I'll be on it. it. It would be very, it would be cool. It would be very
2: cool. I see. Okay, then I'll say break a leg then. I, I yes. thought you got the gig, so you're auditioning. Yeah, so break I a auditioned,
0: leg, honey. and it's the second time, and I got to audition for the same producer as last time. So okay, I'm sure that he heard me evolve just slightly over the year, even though I had a cold last year when I auditioned. Right. I had a cold again this year when I auditioned.
1: Oh, no. And
0: I did a song this year that I just learned like two weeks ago from the new Lady Gaga uh, movie. Like, I was like, okay, I I heard the song, I had to do it, and I just learned it on the fly and did it. Um, Okay. But, you know... It was, it was good. But I'm not
1: saying this because we're together, D. You have an exceptional voice. You're like well, a freaking siren. I mean, and you're pulling like drunk guys into crashing them into tables at karaoke when you're singing.
2: <laughs> so you are kind well, of like a yeah, yeah. But beautiful speak. I've never heard you sing, D. But you have a beautiful speaking voice. Oh, Your voice is, you. is almost perfect. Yeah, you should oh. do phone sex. You would be great.
0: I've I've heard. I just I have this feeling that I would just start laughing. Throughout the whole thing, and once I start laughing, you know, then it's it's just over. Is that <laughs> You're why right. you Unless
2: always laugh? Unless the guy laugh? gets off on being laughed at by beautiful <laughs> there women. There you that would... go. Because with guys, guys, there's everything under the sun you'll find a guy turned on by. So you That's have to right. get guys that like pretty women laughing
1: at them. Yes. There you go. Is that why you always laugh when we have sexy? <laughs> <laughs> That's only after. Remember. <laughs> oh, I'm crying. You're laughing. It's an emotional roller coaster. All right, let's get started here. One of the things yes, I wanted sir. to tell you because I've been trying to get you. On the show for a while. We've been trying to get the schedules to mesh up. I love your social media presence. I love seeing your stuff. It's probably in my top five people's stuff I see coming across my um, feed every day on Facebook. Oh, thank you. such a great Facebook and such a positive, so much trivia. Of course, you're known for trivia and so much great stuff. And also, once in a while, when you do post something political, which isn't often, but once in a while, when you do post something political and an aggressive or trollish person will come on. I just love how you respond to them. You're you're oh, on point you. on social media. Thank you so much, Nick. I appreciate it. It's a
2: class. I love Facebook. I'm an addict. Okay, there's dope addicts. There's LSD addicts. I'm a Facebook addict. I'm a total nut. I can, it's like I, I'll go out to lunch or dinner and I'll, I'll literally rush back to get on Facebook. I'm, I'm just totally hooked on it. It's my joy. Sounds like someone we know,
1: Handy. Huh,
0: uh huh. Just a little bit. I had to uninstall <laughs> Facebook from his phone because I was like, you're driving. You can't. No, I'm not going to check your Facebook when you're driving. No. just no.
2: <laughs> Is that your husband? Yeah,
0: that that's Nick. Oh my right God.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't even know you were married. I'm so yeah. sorry. Oh, so yeah, Nick can yeah, yeah, be okay.
1: <laughs> okay. We are Nick and D. Yeah, I remember when I, I gotcha. had a smartphone, because I was very resistant to getting a smartphone. I had a flip phone up until about two years ago. Right. And I got a smartphone, and D put all the apps on there, and we went out to lunch. First time, first day I had the phone. Waitress comes up. She's like, can I take your order? I look up for my phone. I'm on Facebook, manically typing away. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll <laughs> have some wings. Okay, do you want hot, mild, um, you know, soft, whatever, light? Um, I'm hot. Okay, you want blue cheese, or do you want ranch? Blue cheese! <laughs> and, I, and then she walked away, kind of defeated, and I was like, oh, I'm an asshole. <laughs> I get it now. And I handed Dita the phone. And I said, get this crap off my phone. <laughs> oh, I mm-hmm. need to have my nose buried in Facebook while I'm eating. So, so you Nick, you, Nick, you are day. an addict like me, though. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. Me okay. Nick, are we Facebook friends?
2: Are we Facebook friends?
1: Yeah, we're Facebook oh, yeah. friends. We've okay, I'm so sorry. Facebook.
2: I didn't know. It's, I mean,
1: it's such a pleasure talking to you, but I
2: didn't know we were Facebook friends. I'm
1: glad we are. Yeah, we absolutely are. And Dee had me meditate a while back because the politics (laughs) were getting me so aggravated and so infuriated. And as I was meditating, when we were done, Dee was like, how'd you like it? I was like, it's great. I just wrote nine new Facebook jokes about meditating. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's that with the sick rabbit hole I'm in, Eddie, when it comes to (laughs) Facebook. But it's Okay. It's, it is okay. All right, let's move on. Um, I went back and I watched a couple of the movies that I knew from growing up, which was Midnight right? Madness and War Games. Yeah. And those good I, films. Yeah, you said in the introduction, films. by the way, you said Eddie was the first
2: nerd. I nerd was not quite the first nerd. Well, that's very kind of you. The way I see it, in the in the in our ear, at least, I guess if you go back to the first nerd movies. It might have been Harold Lloyd. I, I I wrote an article on it. By the way, you can you can Google it: The History of Nerds. I was the first computer nerd. I was that. The first nerd I think was the guy in American Graffiti, wasn't he Toad? I think that guy was oh, the first yeah. nerd as we know him. You Good know, the checkered boy. shirt, the, right. the you know, the pens in his pocket and his pocket checkered shirt like that. But I was in war games which you said you just saw. I was the first computer nerd. That is the first computer nerd.
1: That's true. Mhm. Yeah. And, yeah, You know those movies still hold up too. I loved both of them when I was a kid. My dad taped them off like Showtime or Cinemax on VHS, and I used to watch. I used to actually have Midnight Madness and Monsters and Mazes. I had right. those two movies, which was a Tom Hanks, one of Tom Hanks's first movies on oh VHS, my and I can't find them now. That
2: must be one of the few Tom Hanks books I've never seen. I didn't know he was in that one.
1: Yeah, he was like a teenager, and it's about a Dungeon and Dragons group. But he took it it, back when there was this big scare that Dungeon and Dragons was a devil. And he took it too seriously, and they went in a cave to play, and he started trying to actually hurt his fellow teenagers because he thought he was like Argon the Elf or some crap. Interesting. Okay, I, I didn't know that one. Yeah, so that was one of his first films, and as Ma- and Midnight Madness was one of Michael J. Fox's first films. Yeah, that, that was both? Michael's first film. That was his first movie. You're exactly right. And it's one of Pee-wee, I don't think it's Pee-wee's first, but it's
2: it's one of Pee-wee's early films. It's before he was Pee-wee Herman. Mm-hmm. You see Pee-wee in that, and he's a cowboy.
1: He plays like a cowboy character. Yes. Yeah. He's awesome in that. And, I dude. I love Midnight Madness. I grew up in Waldorf, Maryland, which is something else we have in common. We're both Maryland boys. Right. Um, And when I was a teenager, I used to love the Leon character. He was like part mad scientist, part ladies' man. You're right. You're right. Put together a scavenger hunt in Waldorf where we had to steal like a help wanted sign out of a store and get a girl to give us her underwear and the big get interesting. was a license plate from a cop car and it was 100 points it was the big get and my buddy ronnie actually stole it was in front of a cop's house he went up to a cop car and snuck up and stole the license plate and so we had that's why you guys did that i had
0: yeah, no idea that,
1: that that was why i just know you'd done it that's interesting <laughs> you <laughs> got a cop's license plate that took chutzpah mm-hmm. <laughs> that's like, yes oh my hey, goodness uh, that was inspired i had a headquarters at my friend mindy's house and that was directly inspired by midnight madness and i fancied myself a leon and we put together this big scavenger hunt have you had other people tell you that i wonder how many kids did that because yes
2: of... no it, it was actually a college thing it was a college fad the midnight Madness. they would have college groups go around and do like a midnight madness team thing i don't know if they still do it but i've gotten you know post emails from that in facebook pms they've told me people college teams did that
1: yeah we yeah, should bring for real, oh, no yeah. and by the way, you, you know what? It's a funny
2: little film. Midnight Madness. It tanked at the box office, but if you watch it, it's a very funny movie. It's one of them that holds up. It's you know, it's what you call a good cable film. You know, it's not you're not talking it's a classic or anything, but it's a, it's a funny little cable film.
1: Yeah. But my favorite movies growing up were the films like that and Cannonball Run that had these attractive- right. Like groups of people that were all out in some big race, you know, um, a Mad Mad World type of stuff like that, where just everybody's running around crazy. Right. Stuff I used to love as a kid, just watching all these little groups and seeing all their little different personalities. and that Yeah, was they were fun. They were feel. fun films. You get the, You know the funny thing about Midnight
2: Madness? I was talking about it with somebody about a month ago. In that, and, and by the way, sadly, Stephen First, you know, the, the guy from Animal House, he's, in, he's one of the funniest guys in the movie. He passed away like a year ago. But before that mm-hmm. time, we, the Midnight Madness cast is one of the biggest casts ever. I think there's, there's like there's five members on each team. There's five teams, so that's 25 cast members. The movie was made 40 years ago. <sighs> to this day, and, until last year, all 40 were still alive, which is incredible. Wow. You look at every film, Greece, you know, sadly, people have gone and, you know, Polar Express was too recent, but, no, Polar Express, even a guy did pass away from that, but almost every movie you see, every movie ever done, Carrie Fisher died, you know, or blah, 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 whatever, one of the main cast members will pass away just because that's life. Sadly, you know, it's life. You get a group of any 20 or 30 people, and sadly, one of them is going to die young. One of them is going to, you know, get hit by a car or, you know, get cancer or something, but Stephen was the first one to die. We had all 25 of
1: us were intact before that. That is incredible. I used to yeah, tell you It was you the weird. Same thing, it was sad because he was a wonderful Trek. guy. I used to tell you the same thing about Star Trek. I was like, he yeah. realized the whole. And this was up until Leonard Nimoy died. I was like, yeah, and whole Leonard Nimoy died, right? Yeah. Star Trek, like the. I think those films or those TV shows must have some kind of good karma. Yeah. Because everybody involved in them seems to go on and just do great things, and and are just blessed in so many ways. Yeah. I just think maybe you get a so. certain group like that. Yeah. I, I want to move on to something else. Another thing sure. about you that's amazing to me yes. is I pulled up this article, 10 Interesting Facts You Eddie and I remember that, yeah. I'm looking at your life, man, and if you had only thrown up in Steven Spielberg's toilet, that would be epic enough. Yes. That was one of my honors. Yeah. <laughs> it's yes. like legacy 19- cemented. That would be yes, enough. Yes, we did.
2: I got the privilege to work with Steven Spielberg in 1941, a comedy 40 years ago, with John Belushi. God love him. He, you know, of course, he really was sad. He died so young. He had so much talent, so much great comedy left in him. That was a tragedy. He was the nicest guy in the world. But anyway, I spent, 1941, if you see the movie, I spent the whole movie on a Ferris wheel. I'm a ventriloquist with my dummy. And Murray Hamilton, who was the mayor in Jaws, you know, the, the bad mayor in Jaws, that's Murray. We're on the Ferris wheel together. But anyway, we spent the movie on a Ferris wheel. One day, Stephen was whipping us around real quick. Steven goes, you know, we had to, we, our, the Ferris wheel rolls off the pier in the film. Right, it was a right. mess, but they had to have a spinning. And I have bad motion sickness. So Steven was whipping mm. us around after a couple minutes. I said, please stop. What? What's the matter? Steven, I feel sick. Can I please get down? I feel like I feel really sick. Okay. He said, go lie down in my dressing room. So Steven's secretary takes me. I'm wobbly legged, you know, and he takes me, he lies me down in Steven Spielberg's cot. So I'm there feeling nauseous and all. I crawl on my hands and knees into the bathroom. I threw up in the toilet. And then the significance hit me. I go, I just threw up in Steven Spielberg's toilet. Now, oh, this is one of the goodness. highlights of my career. To this day, it's one of the highlights of my life.
1: There you hey, go. And you've had so many of those weird things follow you around. Yeah, from, like, I've been very um, blessed. I've been lucky. I mean, there's a whole list here from George Harrison running over your foot. From being Yeah, that was Paul. That night. was Paul McCartney, but yeah. Oh, uh, was it Paul McCartney?
2: George, I saw. George, I was, this was my best Christmas, Nick. I was at Beverly Center in Beverly Hills, and the Santa Claus didn't show up. So they said, does anybody want to play Santa Claus? I jumped out of my skin because one of my bucket lists is always, I want to play Santa Claus. So I got to play Santa Claus that night. This is just a sidebar. One of the weird things about playing Santa Claus is you see how many kids are terrified of Santa Claus. Mm, When I was there, I was was as gentle as I could be. I would say maybe 25 or maybe even a third of these kids were absolutely terrified. And their parents would literally push them towards me. And I tried to be as gentle as I could, but they were just scared to death. That's just a sidebar. Anyway, I'm on my break as Santa Claus. I had my beard off. I'm in my big Santa pants, and I had my shirt off. I had a T-shirt, my Santa pants, and my Santa boots. Who comes out of the bookstore at the Beverly Center but George Harrison? Oh, my
1: goodness. George
2: wow. Harrison comes out. There's a bodyguard on each side. I'm the world's biggest Beatles fan. Yes, I didn't you say are. anything. Yeah, this was maybe like five or six years after John had been shot. So there was still kind of that in the air, you know. And I, I figured George is a very private guy. I didn't want to bother him. So I hopped down. George walks down the corridor of the Beverly Center. Nobody bothered him. Not one, I don't know if they recognized him or George has kind of this aura of privacy, and I think people just left him alone. But I followed him parallel. I hopped down parallel to George Harrison, all down the corridor. I hopped down sideways. We were like up, you know, like 10 or 15 feet apart. I hopped up followed him, and he went out the door. I've always kind of regretted I didn't talk to him, but I, just, I, fe- I felt like this guy wants to be alone, and you respect a person's privacy. I didn't want to bother mm-hmm. him. Yeah, but, but I, I kind of wish I'd said hi. You know, he's such a cool guy. I might have just said hi, George, and he might have said hi back. You know,
1: right? And it's always those missed opportunities, too. Yeah,
2: yeah. There's always those we all have in our lives, and you look back and you go, "I wish I'd handled this differently." But what can you say?
1: It's 2020 hindsight. And it's always what you didn't do, right? Nobody's on their deathbed going, man, I wish I had a bigger TV or a nicer car. It's always like, I wish I took that frickin' trip to Paris or wrote that great American novel. It's always the things you didn't do to bite any in the ass in the That's an interesting philosophical thing. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. I, um, I want to really quick go back to 1941 because I had never yes. seen that movie. And right. I went back and watched it this weekend you're getting prepared for this, and two things struck me. One, you were the best thing in that movie. I was not a fan of that movie. Thank you. Maybe You're very kind. And, and and you know what, Nick? I agree. It. I, Nick, it, it goes both ways. Some people worship that film.
2: It's one of those kind of like Jerry Lewis. You either love it or you hate it. And I, I didn't like it myself. I saw it at the premiere. I walked out of the premiere. I was gloomy. I, I, Mrs. Spielberg thought I was going to kill myself. Mrs. Spielberg <laughs> said what? Said she thought I was going to kill myself. But I was so sad because it didn't turn out. But I'm telling you, you guys... I meet so many people, is oh, my favorite movie, I love that movie, I've been to screenings of it since, and the audience loves it, but yeah. I agree with you, I don't think it's that funny of a movie, it had a great cast, there's great cast in there, oh, yeah. but it's just, it's just, yeah, John Candy, Belushi, Aykroyd, and, and yeah. of course, you know, how many pins are you going to get to work with Steven Spielberg, you know, I figure, my god, I'm being directed by Spielberg, but to me it didn't work, but you know, comedy is subjective, What you think is funny and what you think works, it's subjective. I always go comedy is like you're tasting cars or colors or women or men. Everybody's different.
1: Yep. Well, here's the thing that struck me, though, that was odd. I remember when I was young watching movies, especially comedy movies in the 80s, were like 90 minutes tops. And this movie went on forever. One of the problems was it was like two and a half hours long. Right. I it think was, that was loud. A lot Steven, for that kind Steven, of said, Steven said I wanted to make the loudest movie ever made.
2: And it's loud, too. That's yeah, I remember going to it, and like every scene is something crashing or blowing up, but it's, it's, it's a loud movie, too. And what can I say? Some like it, some don't. I don't know. It's, it's subjective, like any movie. There's hardly, can you think of any movie that everybody liked or any that everybody hated? I think pretty much, I don't think I've ever found anybody who liked Myra Breckenridge. I don't know if you know that movie with Mae West. Uh, yeah, I think every single person that's seen it hates Myra Breckinridge, but it's hard to find a movie that either A, everybody hates, or B, everybody loves. My brother hates It's a Wonderful Life. I go, oh, everybody nuts. likes It's a Wonderful Life, right? He goes, it's one of my ten worst films. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, you know, it's, 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 like, that's how subjective it is.
1: Yeah. Well, let me tell you another thing that's going to blow your mind, too, and I'm betting this is something no interviewers ever told you before. I have never seen, nor have I ever had an interest in watching Greece. Or mm-hmm. Greece too. I've never seen Greece. It doesn't seem like something that would appeal to me. However, right. Greece did save your life from a group of angry gangbangers. So I am glad you were. A yes, part of it. that is a true story. First of all, I can't believe you didn't see Greece. I've met over the years maybe in
2: 40 years, I've met maybe 10 or 15 people who never saw Greece. A lot of them were from other countries. I met well, a Muslim guy a couple. Not... Ago. I never saw Greece. So you never saw Greece. Though and he, he was the yeah. nicest guy, but he had never seen Greece. But uh, well, Greece is Nick one is of those kind of, almost like the Wizard like of musicals.
0: Oz. That's that's probably what it is. He doesn't like musicals at all. Right. He doesn't like Sweeney Todd. He doesn't like in, any of those. And me, okay. I'm the opposite. I'm like it, what musical? I'm going to watch it. I don't care what it's about. You I'm like
2: musicals? It. Yeah. 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 Again, art aesthetic subjective. Mm-hmm. Anyway, to get to the story that Nick was talking about, I was sitting in Hollywood. It was about 6.30 at night, okay, kind of that dusk time. You know, it's, it, the sun is kind of going down, and I was all alone. And I was, I'm a Beatles nut, like you know. I was reading a little Beatles book. It, it's one of those times in life you just want to be left alone, okay? I just right. want to be alone to read my book. Now, in Hollywood, there's a lot of lonely people. I, I don't know if you guys have been to Hollywood or you go there. There's a lot of lonely, sad people there. And sometimes you'll be alone, and people will just come up and talk to you. And you realize they're just lonely. You meet a lot of old people, and they're just lonely people. So I go, okay, maybe there's lonely people, but please, I just don't want to be bothered. Anyway, I'm sitting, on the, I'm sitting there reading my book. A guy comes over, what time is it? My mind immediately goes, oh, God, this guy wants to strike up a conversation. So I was a little bit abrupt with him. I was a little bit curt. And looking back again, you talk about those mistakes we make. I should have been a little more polite. But he said, what time is it? And I go, it's 6.30. I said something uh-huh. like it was kind of like that abrupt or unfriendly. Anyway, the voice. I didn't even look at the guy. The voice comes back to me. He goes, "Don't you disrespect me, man?" I go, "What the f?" Which so I look over. This guy is a gangbanger. He's a gangbanger in total black leather. He looks like a guy out of West Side Story. This oh, wow. was Hispanic gangbangers. Not that Hispanics are bad. Hispanics are perfectly fine. But this happened to be a Hispanic gang. But this was a Hispanic gangbanger. I was terrified. He goes over. There's three or four other Hispanic gangbangers there. They all huddle up. I'm. Th- I'm I go these guys are going to kill me. I go, this is Hollywood. Nobody's going to stop their car to help me. They're going to they're gonna beat me up. They're either going to beat the crap out of me. They might maim me for life. Or the best thing is maybe they'll just steal my money and go, I had like 138 bucks. Maybe they'll just steal my money and they won't kill me. I swear to God, I thought I was going to die. Anyway, they're up. The one guy comes back to me. He goes, hey, man. Yes? Are you the guy in Greece? I go, yeah, yeah, that's me. I'm Eugene. Hi. He goes, let me ask you something. He goes, is Olivia Newton-John as hot in real life as she was in the movie? I oh go, oh yeah, Olivia's beautiful, she wear hot pants, she was beautiful, and I blah, blah, blah. We talked for maybe five, they asked me all these questions about Greece, all these guys. <laughs> oh, I like that number, Greece, lightning, man. They were uh. totally nice guy. I was still scared out of my wits, my heart is beating, you know. Finally, after about five minutes, we were kibbitzing and chatting. Finally, like the cavalry, a bus comes, my, the bus I was waiting for comes. I shook hands with all the four guys, great to meet you, nice to meet you. I hopped on the bus and got away. But I really do think Greece saved my life. I think if I hadn't been in Greece, and I had been that disrespectful, they would have either beat the crap out of me, or they might even have killed me. They might have beat me to death. Because not only could I not have beat one of these guys up, they were so much bigger than me, I couldn't have beat up one of their girlfriends. I'm this little guy, you know, I I weigh like 130 pounds, a little skinny guy. If one of their girlfriends come, she probably could have beat me up.
1: Oh my! Goodness. And that just goes to show you how the wheel keeps on turning, right? Was it Greece or um, I want to hold your hand that they right. said you didn't get the role? They cut it out, then you went to the synagogue and prayed, and then they called you. No, back that, that was Greece. That, that was, was indeed Greece. Greece. So I, I, that I came to Hollywood romantic. when I was eighteen. Yeah,
2: I came to Hollywood when I was eighteen. I hadn't. I did, all I did was the Gong Show before that. I was on the Gong Show with Chuck Barris, but that's another story. I got Gong. Anyway, I got Greece. I went into Greece. I auditioned. I was in my little Pee Wee. This is before Pee Wee. But I went in in my little Pee-wee Herman suit, you know, with my bow tie and my suit and my white box. And I went in and I auditioned. I was in there with Joel Thurm, the casting director, Randall Kleiser, the director, and uh, um, it Alan Carr, our producer. I, I had like two lines in Greece, two or three lines, you know. And I read them out of the script and then we were talking. And I noticed as I was reading, they nudged each other, kept nudging each other. And as you know D cuz you audition. When you're in an audition you see them nudge each other. That's a good sign. They're like saying, "Look oh, yeah. at this guy." Da da da. You know, they're kind of like, "Guys looking at a cute girl, they'll nudge each other and they'll say, "Look, get a look at that." You know. But I knew they liked me. Then I did get Grease. So of course, I was a lonely kid. I had no friends. I called my family. I called my friends back in Cumberland, Maryland. I'm in this movie. I'm going to be in a movie with John Travolta. Da da da. Uh-huh. Anyway, a couple of days la- couple of days later, they called me. My agent said, "They're cutting the role Eugene out of Grease. He's not going to be in it. I'm sorry, but you're not going to be in the movie." Of course, I was devastated, you know, that's pulling the rug out of him, you know, I told everybody I was going to be in it. I thought I had a job in a major movie with John Ford, and it now was going to happen. So my agent comes over to my house, we're going to go to church and pray. What? I'm Jewish, you know, I've never been in a church, he goes, we're going to go to church and pray. So we go into a church, there's a little, I don't know what Christians call it, but there's a little place, oh, it's an altar, I guess, with candles. I've never done it, he goes, light a candle and pray. Okay, it sounded kind of cool, so I lit a candle and we prayed. And I literally prayed, "Please let something good happen." Anyway, the next day, I swear to God, or the next day or two, I don't know if it was the next day necessarily, but within the next couple days, I get a call. They go, "They're putting the role of Eugene back in Greece. You're back in the movie." Now, I tell this story. It's a hundred percent true story religious people will go, that's a very religious story, da-da-da, and of course p- atheists or non-believers go, it's just a coincidence it's a total coincidence, so you can take the story however you believe it, if you believe it's religious or something happened, it did, it might have just been a coincidence, but that is a true story that's how well, I got Well,
1: I'm agnostic, but I, I'm connecting the dots between that story and what happened to you on the bus stop, and going maybe if you didn't step into that church I wouldn't be talking to you right now from either lack <laughs> of success
0: or maybe <laughs> you're those
1: gangbangers so right. would have took you out Yeah, Yeah. you're right. And here I am
0: sitting back here thinking of the belief of the everything's connected because I I love British television. Uh, Yeah, yeah, everything's
2: connected. Yeah, maybe so, maybe so.
1: Very metaphysical.
2: We're we're getting into real metaphysical territory here, but who knows? I think you can handle it though, Eddie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love talking about it. I can talk about this all day.
1: Well, let me kind of pivot back, though, because you said something very important. You left, and this is something I thought was a really gutsy move, and I respect Mm -hmm. you for this. You Mm -hmm. left right out of high school, days after high school to go to L.A., and this is something I really want to dig in here. Mm -hmm. Like, how did you come to that decision? What did your parents say? Like, what was the first thing you did when you got off the bus? Just jumping on a bus, or I'm assuming you took a bus out there or a plane. Like, how did this come to be, and were your parents like, you're out of your mind. You need to be in college. Well, I was kind of a neer do well in
2: school. I, I couldn't. I was one of those I didn't fit in anywhere. Which a lot of people in showbiz are. You guys know you're both in showbiz. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much a business. We all kind of didn't fit in anywhere else. We're all kind of like gypsies, you know. We all fit. Right. that's why we're all not. Whenever I work with other people in showbiz or I meet them, we always have this kinship. I know if I met Nick or D in person, we'd hug each other, we would kiss, and we have oh, yeah. this natural affinity because we're all performers together. Whereas the outside world doesn't understand us, you know. Now maybe plumbers have the same thing, you know, or lawyers or. doctors doctors but everybody in showbiz is my friend each other <laughs> good point good point you're right <laughs> but we'd be natural friends you know anyway i was in there do I, I never fit in so i went out i the day after i graduated high school i went out with my friend mike he came out he stayed for about the first two weeks and i came out to la i was so green this is how corny i was this, you want to hear the green i was as green as a line. Yes,
1: please. this is how oh, corny yes. i
2: was i would literally call the studios i literally would call paramount studios they'd answer the phone i go do you need a good comedian literally, I was that dumb. And Courtney, I go, this is how you get into movies. You call a studio and ask luckily out of decency none of these lady secretaries laughed in my face you'd think they would laugh and go are you kidding me but they all said no we can't blah blah they gave me I remember one lady I caught up I said do you need a good comedian she said I'll pray for you son she said I remember she said that <laughs> we're getting oh, back wow, into metaphysical wow. territory again but they were all polite but it's like I was that corny I, I knew nothing about how showbiz worked how the world you know how when you're 18 you th- you're in high school and you think you have all the answers but you go out into the real world and you realize you don't know anything you know you don't know how, anything about how I the real world. Nervous
1: kid. I didn't think I knew any of the answers when I was 18. I didn't think right. I was immortal. Like I was a very nervous, like geeky kid. Were you a nerd? Very oh yeah, I was a, a. I've been collecting comic books for 40 years. I in my childhood, okay. I was very nerdy when I was a okay. Kid. Interesting. Interesting and very naive too. Okay, you want to hear this?
2: I'll tell you a great naive. This is the height of naivete. This is the year before, the year before I came out of Hollywood. I, I came out at 18. I just told you I came out to Hollywood when I was 18 after high school. When I was 17, we went to New York. My family and I went to New York. And I go, I want to be a comedian. I want to get in showbiz. I'm going to go to New York. I figure it's easier. I, I, we lived in Maryland. I'm closer to New York. So anyway, I went out walking. This is New York. You know, there's this excitement there. I went out walking alone, this geeky kid. You know, I'm 17 years old. I went, I'm going to go out and see the city and all. This guy stops me. This adult guy. Hey, man, you loan me a dollar? Can you give me a dollar for change? Okay. Right. All right. Sure. I didn't know. This is how my video was. So I give him a dollar. So the guy stands. I go, I gave you a dollar. Where's my change? He goes, You didn't give me no dollar. <laughs> I, go, yeah, I just gave you a dollar. He goes, no, you know, he's a, he's a hustler. He's a con man. But I didn't know this. Again, that's how naive you are when you're 17. I'd, I'd never seen this. I grew up in Cumberland, Maryland. But anyway, he goes, no, they didn't see it. I, and then at dawn, I started getting scared. I started getting shaken. I realized this guy's ripping me off, but I'd never been ripped off like that. It, kinda, you know, sadly, these incidents, we all have them. They kind of open your eyes up to what the real world is like. There's this, you know, small population, small portion of the population that they're going to rip you off, that they're going to cheat you or they're going to screw you or they're going to rob you of their money or, you know, worse, they're going to rape you or whatever, you know, they'll just do this. this. They're criminals, you know. This guy was a criminal. He got me for one dollar. But that incident of him getting a dollar changed my whole life. I go, I'm not going to come back to New York. I'm never going to come back. And that's what changed my life and made me decide to go to L.A. If I had never met that guy and he hadn't ripped me off for that one dollar, I would have went to New York. I would never have got Grease. My whole life and career would have been changed. I might never have done a movie. So that little incident for
1: one dollar changed my whole life. Absolutely, because you didn't like stand-up, right? You have a hard time remembering lines, and you kind of left the stand-up world and wanted to focus particularly on movies. Yeah, I wanted to get in moves. I didn't like stand-up. Yeah, I did. a lot of my friends, you know, stand-up comics. They love it,
2: like Bob Hope, you know. They live for it, but I, I never liked it, going on stage and memorizing the routine
1: for 10 minutes. I couldn't do it. Yeah, and I've, I mean, and here's another thing, too, that's crazy to me, and I think people outside of the show business world don't understand how things work and going back over your IMDB another great story you have is you were deemed too nerdy to be in revenge of the nerds and this yeah. is where they put the veneer and the gloss on things right they're True like well, we want actual people normal like looking people who they can turn into nerds we don't want nerds yeah. even though and- that's right in your wheelhouse
2: Yes, and I have been over the years. I get I'm a doppelganger of two people. I always get I I get Pee Wee Herman. Are you Pee Wee Herman? I get maybe not so much now, but 20 or 30 years ago, are you Pee Wee Herman? I was walking down the street one day, okay, and it's like a halfway house. All these, you know, derelict guys at a halfway house, they go, Hey, man, you're Pee Wee Herman. I go, No, sir, I'm not Pee Wee Herman. I'm Eddie and I was in Greece. No, you're Pee Wee Herman, man. No, I'm Eddie D. Is, uh-huh. So anyway, this whole group of these derelict criminals are around me. They are going, like, well, you're Pee Wee Herman. So I start to get scared. They're going to get violent. So i like, you know what? You got me. I'm Pee Wee Herman. Hi, I'm Pee Wee. Yeah. <laughs> I shook all their hands. And these guys thought I was Pee Wee Herman. I was saving my life. I told them I was Pee Wee Herman. But anyway, uh-huh. I digressed.
1: But and the the guy, with from, the guy Gre- from Revenge of the, the Nerds, too. You get the guy, no, you're right. I
2: digress on that story. The other guy I get mistaken for is Robert Carradine in Revenge of the Nerds. I get they go, you're the guy from Revenge of the Nerds. And I go, no, I'm Eddie Dees and the guy in Greece." And they'll go, oh, yeah, that's right. Da-da-da. But I get mistaken for that guy all the time, Robert Carradine. And he was great in Revenge of the Nerds. And what you said is exactly right. I wasn't in Revenge of the Nerds. I asked the producer, Adam Field. I said, why didn't you put me in that movie? I'm the ultimate nerd. He goes. We didn't want nerds in the film. We wanted to get regular guys like Robert Carradine. We could dress up as nerds and make them look like. nerds. But you're already a nerd, he said. <laughs> so he goes, oh, okay, that makes me <laughs> that feel is better. Crazy. You know, yeah. Well, and that's as called movie, that showbiz. You,
0: you were overqualified. That's what it was. You were yes. just
1: overqualified. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Credentials. As you're looking <laughs> back though at all this, at like, hey, I didn't. I left New York because of this situation, and I wouldn't right. have in this situation. Mm -hmm. And and you're looking back, now you have some perspective, collectively looking back on it. Do you feel like you have done what young 18-year-old Eddie Deason set out to do? What would 18-year-old Deason think of you right now? What a great question. Such a great question. And Nick, we drift back
2: into the philosophical again. That's a very very great question. You get asked a lot of incipit questions in these interviews, but you ask good questions. (laughs) Everybody looking back in their lives, I'd like everybody to answer that, not just me, but to go – Was your life now what you thought it was when you were 18? When you envisioned it, what percentage of your life now is how you envision it? I would say, to answer your question, maybe 75%. My dream, Nick, when I was a kid is, because we always dream big when you're 18, and I go, you know what, I want to be like the Three Stooges. I want to be like Jerry Lewis. And I never made, you know, they're superstars. These are the greatest comedians ever. They're the biggest. Star. And I never made it that big. You know, I'm kind of like a cult figure and I made some good movies, but I'm not in that league. But that's what I dreamed of when I was at that age. So I would say i made some good movies. I've been in some good movies. I've made a lot of terrible movies, but I got into movies, you know, there'll be something I've left for the world, you know, after I'm gone. And it's kind of like, I, to answer your question, I'd say maybe it's 60% or 70% of what I dreamed of. Yeah. But I dreamed I would be like the Three Stooges, and I never made it to that level.
1: And that's always my litmus test. I always tell people, you know, there's the multiple universe theory where every decision you make, there's a counter-decision made that creates another universe. And I'm like, look, if you you had a machine… And I could look at every Nick Katsouris out there. Nick Katsouris, the serial killer, up to Nick (laughs) Katsouris, like the president, whatever. Well, that's a bad example (laughs) nowadays. Nick Uh Katsouris, like somebody benevolent and doing good deeds. Where would I fall on that spectrum? If there was like a a thousand different Nicks, would I be in the bottom 500? percent where like my life is a mess and i'm like smoking crack or would i be in the top 500 percent where i'm kicking ass and doing what i want well i want to hear your answer how would nick and d how would you guys
2: answer that question i would say how have your I'm, guys then when you were 18 how has your life turned out
1: i would say i'm like in the top 70 like right where you are 60 70 percent i okay, was a so punk guy back then and i wanted to be right, a fan. and i did right. some things in music so I've had a very strange in into this world. I started mm-hmm. in entertainment by doing politics and activism. So mm-hmm. I, and then I got out of that because it was so toxic. It was eating me up alive. But yeah. I knew so many people from the industry by having them on my show to talk politics. Right. That this is how I ended up here. I got in some weird back door. But I would say I'm in the 60, 70% of Nick Cat sources in the multiverse. And mm-hmm. anybody that's above 50%, that's a win. If you're in the better Okay. Bed half of so the you're road, you're I relatively think. happy in your life. You're pretty oh, yeah, happy with absolutely. your life. Okay,
2: well you know what, on this planet, I think that's high. How about you D? How do you rate yourself? Um,
0: I I see myself more as a late bloomer. Um, I mm-hmm. I'm almost 40 and I feel like I'm just hitting my stride. Like mm-hmm. I've said since I was like 3 or 4 that I was always going to be a singer. That's what I wanted to do. Um, and I do sing I'm I'm very skilled. I have to admit that is the one thing that I can do very well that nobody can tell me I can't. Um, but I've never really gotten paid for it, and that's the goal, right? Um, mm-hmm. But now I'm kind of although
1: you are going to be laying some tracks on Apollo's new album I am. next month.
0: I'm definitely going to help out with that album, and that's going to be really cool. Um, very cool. I just I feel like I I don't know. I guess I have this thing where I feel like I want to improve people's lives just a little bit. Like I mm-hmm. I've figured out I'm a server. Like I just, I really want to help people. So if I can, and I, and I am, I finally have a job now where I feel like I'm helping people, even if it's just a little bit, even if it's mm-hmm. just to ease their suffering just a tiny little bit, um, it right. makes, you know, I feel like I'm leaving the world better than I came in. So I'm good.
2: Very cool. Well, you, you, obviously you guys entertain people with your show. So you're kind of oh. doing that because if a guy enjoys your show, you are elevating him in that extent, maybe spiritually as opposed to physically, but you could, you know, there, there's all kinds of volunteer. You have a good heart, obviously what you just said, you could always do any kind of volunteer work. You know, yes. a- any city will have that, but you know, for Thanksgiving, go give free Thanksgiving. There's help to spend some the homeless. That would well, probably yeah. make you feel and I
0: good. I I work at a nonprofit now, so it, it's like we always say, you know, we don't do it for the money because we don't. Um, mm-hmm. And the services that we provide, that my per- particular position provides, is completely free. So mm-hmm. I'm ju- I am just always try to reach out to them and say, you know, you never know what I can do for you until you ask because right. I, I can help you a lot more than you think I can. Just just oh. ask me. So mm-hmm. it, it's, and for me, it's, it's simple things. It can be like, oh, I went and, the other day on my way home, I dropped off a pack of diapers and some wipes for, for a mom who couldn't get out to get any because she hadn't got paid yet. It's such mm-hmm. a simple thing, but to me, that's
2: yep, impactful. Yep, it is
1: the little things. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love it. You're right. Some, they're some of the most magical things in life. I totally agree. I love it. All right, we got to get out of here. I want to hit this last point, and then I want to do a little bit of trivia, because this is something that's amazing to me. I watched this really quirky short called I Love You, Eddie Deason. Oh, please.
2: Okay. She was great. Nothing against Sherry. I don't do anything, and it. it's called that. And they go, "Oh, this and Eddie D's in short. And i as you saw, I'm only in it for a little. I'm like in it for a minute at the very end. Right. But Sherry is very talented. Sherry, I love. She, Sherry, directed, wrote, and stars in that. She's multi-talented, and she deserves a big break. But I hardly do anything in that, even though it has my name in it.
1: Well, it was an 18-minute short, and it is what it is. (laughs) And I watched it, and it was funny, and I got out of it, what you're supposed to get out of it. Like I said earlier, I'm from the punk rock world. I was in a punk band called Even Steven. We did our Uh thing for a little while in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, I love the soundtrack for this. So I started researching it, and there is a band that does a song called I Love You, Eddie Deason. And the band is actually (laughs) called The Deasons. Oh, yeah, right. You're right. you're right. I clicked their Facebook, <laughs> it leads to a dead link All their stuff leads to dead links Because this is pretty oh. old okay. And I was just wondering if you knew who those guys were Was that just like a band put together For this movie, or is there actually they, a band they had out me,
2: there? This is, this is years ago we, we did it in like 2013, I think and the guy sent me a bumper sticker. I think it was a real band. They sent me a bumper sticker for it, and they, they would send me stuff. In the days before Facebook, you know, this is I was so big on Facebook, I would send out emails every day. And I remember these guys would send me emails. We're at this place, and they'd send me a promo. So they were evidently a band for a while. But, yeah, they probably, you know, went out of business. How many people are going to patronize them, you know? <laughs> Even Eddie Deason fans, you go see them once, you know, and, you know, what's to see after that, you know? So I think they were a real band. They probably, you know, like all bands, they broke up, you know, except for the Rolling Stones. They broke up after a while.
1: Uh, but is it crazy to you when you sit back, and we'll kind of get philosophical again and look back, there's no, mm-hmm. you know, where the cat'saurus is. There's a band, or there was a band called the Deezons, and their whole mm-hmm. shtick when you go on their YouTube is like, we idolize the work of Eddie Deezon. Oh, And okay. they <laughs> write songs like as a homage to you. Just right. think of the resonance and the impact that you've had on people. Where they, they four guys got together and go, Man, this guy is so cool. I love his work so much. He inspires me so much. Let's start a band called Deason. Think how crazy
2: that is. It was very flattering, yeah. You mean, you know, that's what we're in it for. Whether we admit it or not, you like the admiration. You know, that's what we all like. And that's the name of the game. It's one of the realizations I've had about life. Whether we admit it or not, we're in this game You go. why do we play this game called life there's so much pain and people starving and women get raped and there's war and people hate each other and we go through all this crap and shit okay why do we do it because we like the admiration it's fun yeah. a man finds a girlfriend a wife I like her admiration the woman wants the man's admiration a woman wants men so to true. say beautiful admiration us in showbiz we want admiration everybody wants it in to their own area but admiration's one of the names of the game it's one of the secrets of life
0: yeah Everybody just wants to feel special. Everybody wants to. You feel want
2: to loved. feel special, yeah. We all want mm-hmm. that, and the people that deny it are in total denial because you know it, 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 it it's just a fact of life. Those yeah, guys that yeah. go on
1: the internet and spew all this hate and go, I don't care what anyone thinks of me. All right, bite it, yeah. <laughs> slim Jim, macho man. Everybody <laughs> cares what everybody thinks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These maybe the here only
2: thing done. I can think of, Nick, is maybe some people are so beaten down, maybe they're below that. You know what I mean? There could be somebody so some people are so beaten down by life. You know, they literally don't want to eat or they don't have a sexual drive there some people are they're like in this level i guess you call it apathy you know they're just so Mm -hmm. beaten down and some people are like that so maybe they're that way but anybody who's alive you know wants to be admired 99% of the world wants to be admired whether it's trump or hillary or anybody in showbiz or the lady you know doing your laundry or a waitress at a restaurant there's a waitress at a restaurant you go and you tell her you did a good job or you know what you have the prettiest eyes and watch her light up Watch yeah, that I mean, woman like, Yeah, because everybody likes true. admiration. They all like that.
1: Like the Dalai Lama says, everybody wants to maximize pleasure and minimize pain. And having admiration and having people recognize your work in this industry is maximizing pleasure. Absolutely. It feels good. Yeah. It's always flattering.
2: I always, I'll ask beautiful girls that I go, you get told you're beautiful all the time. Do you ever get tired of it? And I've never had a girl once say, no, I'm sick of it. I don't like, they always, yeah. When a man tells me I'm beautiful, it's always flattering. You know, I don't, you know, they don't like when he gropes her. They don't want that kind of shit. But if a guy comes up and says, you're beautiful, you know, you have pretty eyes. Women, I've never heard a woman say, I'm, I'm sick of that. And I have, you know, the people you get tired of people telling you you're funny or you're talented. You know, do they? You get tired of that, Nick? You know, Perfect. you don't. You know, yo, yeah. it's always flattering. It's always nice.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. Eddie, That's this true. has been an absolute pleasure. I could talk to you for sixteen more hours. I want okay. to finish up and do some trivia though, sure, because you are so well known for your trivia prowess. You've written for Mental Floss. I know you have a newsletter where you yes. send trivia out every day. So. You have an affinity for Beatles, for baseball. I had Dee put together. We used to do a show, actually, called Drunken Trivia. Oh, please, fire away. This is
2: my life. Any Beatles trivia, ask me. Or, or baseball, I just want to qualify. I'm good at old-time baseball. I don't okay, know contemporary. Good. But, okay, well,
1: fire away, this, you guys. This is actually called Beatles, Babe Ruth, or Bullshit. Yes. yes. Oh, Tell okay. okay. Us if these question is referring to, and you'll just play to see what your knowledge, because I don't know a lot about the Beatles. Tell okay. us if this is a Beatle. Babe Ruth, or if it's just something D made up, if it's bullshit. <laughs> okay. Yep. That's very sorry. original. Let her rip.
0: Okay. Um, Rick and Morty once made a nod to this on an episode of the cartoon. Was it Beatles, Babe Ruth, or bullshit?
2: What was, I'm sorry. I didn't get the first part of your question. Who made a nod to it?
0: Rick and Morty.
2: Who's Rick and Morty? I don't know that.
0: Oh, my gosh. It's a cartoon. It's awesome. You've got to check it out. It's oh, see, I
2: don't, I don't know Rick and Morty. I've never heard of it. <sighs>
0: Okay, take a guess. It's all good. I started with the hard one first. Uh,
2: okay, made a nod to it. I'm, I'm going to guess the Beatles.
0: Yes, that's correct.
2: Okay, total guess, because I don't they... know who Rick and Morty are. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, you've got to check out Rick and Morty. They're
1: freaking amazing. Okay. It's kind they're on of YouTube? Like, uh, I think no, so. No, no, they're bit. on um, Nickelodeon. Adult Swim. Yeah, Adult Swim. Yeah. You've done um, Dexter's Lab. I'm surprised you haven't heard of Rick and Morty. Yeah, no. Yeah. It's kind yeah, of it's, in that same pocket funny. of it so comedy funny animation. Nick was like, "He's been okay. on Dexter's
0: Lab," and I'm like, "You know, I know that voice because I'm I'm an audiophile." Uh, okay. And I'm like, "I know, I know that voice." And I was like, "What do you mean he's been on Dexter's Lab?" And I was like, "Oh, he's Mandark."
2: A uh, Mandark, yeah.
0: <laughs> I got so
1: excited. <laughs>
2: That's me.
0: <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> okay okay calm d calm d calm yeah i love it
2: um, oh you're okay. d that's right you're i, I like dd d. you're just playing d so i yeah. say i love you twice i'm yep. in love with you d d
1: that's d <laughs> twice she'll never wash those ears again i know right <laughs> never
0: okay um okay beatles babe ruth or bullshit played at okay. dodger stadium in 1966
2: who played at dodger stadium oh the beatles
0: Yes, August that's correct. 20, August twenty, twenty eighth,
2: nineteen sixty six was their second to last concert. The yes. Beatles ended their performing career the next day at Candlestick Park in San Francisco. Oh my
0: goodness! Wow. And I thought yeah. that one would be a little harder because yeah, Babe Jane
2: Ruth, Weedland of the Go Go's was there.
0: Yeah, Babe Ruth did. Yeah. Um,
2: he he had games. Babe at Ruth Dodger was dead Stadium, by that time. Yeah.
0: yeah, it was different. Yeah, um, has received a Presidential Medal of Freedom.
2: Okay, that was Paul McCartney. <gasps>
0: I've got to double check that because my wasn't research. Wasn't that Paul? I thought
2: he got that from Obama. Maybe I'm wrong. Didn't he get that award from Obama?
0: I do not have that. Okay.
2: Middle well, I know it Europe. wasn't. Oh, Babe Ruth is going to get one from Trump. I know. He got one
0: yesterday, two days ago. He
2: got one yesterday. Okay. Yep. Okay. There you go. Yep, yep, yep. I think Paul got one from Obama, too. I'm, I I. know Paul played the White House. I assumed he got it, but I may be wrong on that one. He so you're right. Babe Ruth an did award get one.
0: from Paul McCartney? He, was, he got right. the Gershwin Award.
2: Okay, there you go. So you got me. Good, you yes. got me. You're right. Babe Ruth got Babe Ruth and Elvis got one.
0: Yeah, yep. Had, yes. had to double triple check to make sure Wikipedia didn't lie to me. Um, no, you're
2: right. You were definitely because <laughs> I, I, I watched the Paul thing on TV. I remember, mm-hmm. but it, it was the wrong award. You're right.
0: Okay, has never been in a video game. Beatles. Well, Babe the Beatles Ruth
2: were in that bullshit. video. I would say, uh, I'm going to guess none of them, because Babe Ruth was probably in a video game somewhere.
0: That's right. It was bullshit. Babe Ruth okay, uh, is okay. in MLB 2018, and the Beatles, of course, were in rock bands. Very nice. There you go. Right. Uh, once dated Marilyn Monroe.
2: That was neither. Nobody. That was Joe yep. DiMaggio. So that, that was, was bullshit. That was bullshit yeah. also. Wow.
1: yeah <laughs> Good, Eddie. Man, you're so I'm brutal.
2: sure if Babe Ruth had been alive, he would have probably hit on her, but oh, he was before Marilyn's time.
1: Probably.
0: Um, and, um, Beatles, Babe Ruth or bullshit. Autographs mm-hmm. are rarely forged.
2: Well, the Beatles I know are forged left and right. I would, I'm going to guess bullshit.
0: Yes, that's yeah, right. Yeah. They're actually yeah. forged the so market's the worst. much yeah. that yeah. most yeah. people don't even want to try to authenticate either one because they're, they yeah. say they're, they're inauthentic about 50% of the time. It's um, Beatles, Babe Ruth, and Elvis are the top three that
2: are Yeah, I believe it. That's interesting. I I always wonder they had those certificates of authenticity. And I always wonder, why couldn't they just forge that? They go, this is Clark Gable's autograph. I have a certificate of authenticity. And they go, well, how do we know the certificate's not forged? They have to forged. And, yeah. really and now
1: you're going like, down to fake news rat hole where people yeah, are yeah, like this yeah. is fake news, but Snoopy's yeah. fake news. because
2: autographs—that's that's the market that's the hardest to authentic. Because you mm-hmm. could, you know, you could literally forge a William Shakespeare say, "Go, this is Shakespeare's autograph," and you might find some dummy who, oh, really? Yeah. I'll give you five fifty dollars for it. Okay, give me fifty. You know, you know, you yeah, never know. There's a sucker everywhere.
0: I saw some of the um, the fakes There's next to Field? authentic that ones supposedly. Barnum, They're really right? hard to tell the difference. Yeah. Like, you have yeah. to really study those and be like, well, the R looks like it could have been done the same way, but I'm not really sure. Yeah. And, you know yeah. what? That's why I mine is just super easy. It's like a D and a bunch of scribbles. And at right. this point, it's like. <laughs>
1: you can never forge my autograph.
0: No, it's well, just
1: a bunch of scribbles. Oh, is it okay? Yeah, <laughs> it's a train wreck. Right, you are like gotta... a doctor, huh? Yeah. Oh yes, my signature is bad. All right, I'm okay. terrible at cursive. I can't even write in cursive. I can only sign in cursive. I've told totally No, mad. I'm the same Nick. Nick, I, I write in all caps. You know, for my Facebook
2: page. I the only time I write cursive is when I sign a contract or give an autograph, you know, or something like that. I never or sign a check, you know. But I, you I, I'm always writing. I write all caps.
1: On Facebook in all caps.
2: Yeah, that, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> you wrote People... me when we inbox back and forth on Facebook. You write me in all caps. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm always always all cats. All right, we got to get out of here. Eddie, it has been an absolute pleasure. Can you please tell everybody where we can find you on the interwebs? Yes, I am on Facebook every day. You can look at my Facebook post. Unfortunately, I'm at the limit.
2: I'd love to have anybody as my Facebook friend, but they have a limit. Mr. Zuckerberg stops at the 5000 so I can't do it anymore. But I, please read my Facebook page. I love it. You can go to my webpages, eddiedeason.com. If you want to get a stocking stuffer for Christmas, get an autograph picture of Eddie Deason. They are so cheap. I think the guy, my uncle runs, and he charges like 5 or 6 bucks, So that's cheap, and uh, that's about
1: nice. it. Yeah. And, um, do you have anything coming up? Are you kind of laying low? I know you're back in Cumberland now, right? I'm in
2: Cumberland, you can't do a lot out here, you know. I just basically what I do now is just these signing shows. I do signing shows when they come up, but I'm going to be hopefully back to l a by next year. We'll see what happens. My career may be over. I'll be honest with you guys. It might be over. Who knows? So I, you know, I, I might just do signing shows the rest of my life. I don't even know. But I want to say this, how much I enjoyed talking to you, Nick and Dee. What a wonderful show you have. You are two of the nicest people, and I wish you both a happy Thanksgiving. And I wish you both continued success with your show.
1: Absolutely. Right back at you, Eddie. You have a great holiday.
2: Thank you so much.
1: All righty, guys. We are out of here. We're taking a break for Thanksgiving, and we'll be back December 4th, right, Dee? With Natasha – you're better in names than I am.
0: Uh, Yes, Natasha Ferrier.
1: Very, very nice. All right, guys, we're out of here. We will be gone for the rest of November. So, everybody, have a great holiday.
0: Happy Turkey Day. Don't fight too much over those bye bye, and Legos. Nobody needs them. <laughs> bye, guys.